almost a half a century old. I prefer uh, the old Spider-Man movies, the one with Tobey Maguire, maybe there's older ones than that, but um, I remember in the first movie, uh, there's a point where he can stop a crime from happening or stop a criminal as he's fleeing. And Peter Parker decides not to, not to stop the criminal. And later the criminal uh, crosses path with his uncle. And in the um, tussle, his uncle dies. And there sits uh, on Peter Parker's heart, uh, on his mind, on his soul. And so it affects the rest of his life. And it's easy to do just that, right? To think it's someone else's problem. I don't have to do anything about it. I'll just stay here in my comfort zone. I don't need to stand up for what is right and what is wrong. Someone else can do that. And this is, again, the opposite of what Jeremiah was doing in the first reading. Jeremiah was doing just that. He was saying and pointing out all the wrong things, all the evil things the Jewish people were doing. So much so that people found him annoying, and even more than annoying. The princess approached the king and said that, said that Jeremiah is demoralizing the soldiers and all the people. Again, Jeremiah was telling the people and the soldiers all the evils that they were doing, all the things that they were doing wrong, all the ways that they were offending God. So King Zedekiah said, Jeremiah is in your power. Do with him whatever you want. And so the princes did. They threw Jeremiah into a cistern, into a deep well. And it says he was sinking in the mud. But Ebed Malak stood up for Jeremiah and approached the king and said that what the princes did to Jeremiah was wrong. So with the king's blessing, Ebed Melech took three men and got Jeremiah out before he died. Again, Jeremiah was offending the people because he was going against the culture. The culture at the time was saying that all these sins, all these abominations that God had told them not to do, the culture was saying was okay. But Jeremiah was pointing out their sins, all their faults, the evil that they were committing. Because of this, he was not very popular. And again, not so, so unpopular that they put him in a cistern to die. And Jeremiah, other uh, prophets, sometimes they felt alone. They felt like they were the only ones standing up for what is right. And maybe you feel that way at work, maybe you feel that way in the classroom. That you are the only one standing up for what is right. That if you did stand up, that you would be the only one. That it would be you against everyone else. But we know that we are not alone. 
the response of the psalm, the antiphon today is, Lord, come to my aid. And we trust just that. We trust that if the, we ask the Lord to come to our aid, that he would do just that. That we are not alone. That if we stand up for what is right, if we stand up against evil, we are never alone. That the Lord will come to our aid whenever we ask. And even more so than that, the author in Hebrews says that we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. In our daily lives, but no more uh, in a greater way than at Mass. But the saints are around us. The saints say that at Mass, if we had the eyes to see it, that we would see the angels and the saints around the altar. And whether it's St. Christopher in the car or, you know, or any other saint that we can call upon in different times in our lives. That all these great saints that went before us, we can ask for their help. We can ask for their help so that we can persevere in running the race. So that we can persevere in keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus. The letter, the author of Hebrews says, For the sake of joy, Jesus endured the cross and has taken his seat, the right hand of the throne of God. We may not experience joy in this life. Maybe standing up for right, what is right really will be a burden and a hardship. But Jesus promises that there will be joy in the life to come. Now hopefully we'll experience joy in this life, but we have to remember Jesus in standing up for what was right was crucified on a cross. Jeremiah was thrown into a cistern. Jesus was crucified on a cross. So standing up for what is right, standing up for virtue, is not easy. It often costs us something. But again, the letter to the author of the Hebrews says, We must not grow weary or lose heart in our struggle against sin. Because we have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood like Jesus did. Standing up for what is right, standing up against sin, especially in our own heart, is a huge battle. And often we can grow weary or lose heart. Like, when am I going to ever overcome this sin? When am I ever going to overcome this habit? This bad habit. But we must not grow weary or lose heart in our struggle against sin. Now, I pray that none of us has to shed blood like Jesus did. But even if we did, we must not grow weary or lose heart. We must continue to fight against sin in ourselves and in the culture. We cannot accept what the world says is okay. Jesus in the Gospel says, I have come to set the world on fire, how I wish it were already blazing. Do you think that I have come to establish peace on the earth? No, I tell you, rather division. 
From now on, a household of five will be divided, three against two, two against three. At Christmas time, we talk about peace on earth, about Jesus coming to bring peace on earth. And that will happen at the end of time. But for now, we seek that peace in our own heart. But if we seek that peace in our own heart, if we seek holiness, if we seek virtue, then we will be at odds with the world. We will be at odds with society, with the culture. And that will cause division. But Jesus says that that's why he came, to cause division. Because if we are following Jesus Christ the way we will, are supposed to, we will be at odds with those around us. We will be causing division. And maybe even you being here this Sunday is causing a division with your family, with friends. But that just begs the question, are we willing to forsake everything for Christ? Are we willing to sacrifice even family and friends when they become the enemies to the will of God in our lives? Again, the gospel message is good news. God does want to give us peace and joy and abundant life. And hopefully they come to us in this life. But if not, they will come to us in the life to come if we stay close to Christ. Jesus Christ offers us true freedom. Now the world wants to give us false peace. They say, no, if you just go along with everything else, you go along with no appeasing or approving of everything that people do, then that will bring about peace. If we say that what they're doing is okay, then we'll bring about peace. But that is a false peace. That's not a peace based on the truth, on virtue, on goodness and holiness. That's just a peace of avoiding calling evil, evil. We are not called in some ways to be peacemakers. We are rather called to invite people to the truth, to the truth of Jesus Christ, to a life of virtue, to a life of holiness. Because this is true freedom. A freedom from the slavery to sin. A freedom from Satan. The freedom from the oppressive forces of hatred and evil that can destroy our body, mind, and spirit. Are we listening to Jesus Christ? Are we putting Him first in our lives? Are we okay with the division that they may, that might cause with others? Because our striving for holiness, our striving for what is right, will put us at odds with the culture, with those around us. But we must be willing to sacrifice those things for the sake of Christ. 
For Jesus offers us true joy. Jesus Christ offers us true freedom.